Hello folks, our guest this week is Eric Housley of Napa Valley 1839. Having robbed DKCU of a place in the next round of the Copper Insignia, or whatever nonsense it was called, we connected to discuss the club, the community and how to grow a club in the current environment. Full disclaimer here, um, we had some technical issues which may or may not have been related to idiocy, meaning that we missed the first couple of minutes of the chat. Uh, apologies for that, all you need to know is that Eric and his colleagues elected to join the MPSL from the origin of their club in 2017. Sorry about that. Ladies this is an alliance podcast. Leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream. The best is yet to come. terms of you know for us sponsorship dollars um when you go into the npsl meetings every year if you sat all 100 some odd teams down and asked them how much they bring in at sponsorship annually uh we're in the top probably five percent um and it's much easier in a ironically um in a for-profit situation because of what we offer for them because usually when you walk in and you're a nonprofit and say hey we'd like you know three thousand dollars five thousand dollars they're like okay give us the money you're going to put our name on a shirt thanks we never hear anything more um and so we've kind of turned it into a promotional opportunity and uh it's been great for us we're really happy that we went this route and uh and and so we're yeah we're we're definitely down far down that pathway so as a follow-up to that um, I, lo I, I would love to talk more about sponsorships, and maybe we will today. Um, just to be argumentative with you, can't if, can't any club do a better job than of just creating stronger partnerships with their sponsors, whether they're for-profit, non-for-profit? It sounds like you guys really invest in each sponsor to make sure they find value, which is sort of the key to all of that. But being profit, for profit or nonprofit, really doesn't change the way you would approach that. I would imagine. Is that right? Um, yes and no. I think uh, when there's a mindset of of we're a non nonprofit uh, because I'm involved with quite a few. Um, there's a mindset of look, we're trying to provide something. Um, but when it's the for profit, it's like we're trying to build a brand. And for us, it's this brand building that's really um, really done us well and i mean uh just and speaking out loud but have no idea I, I would assume that our valuation is significantly higher based on the fact that we are a for-profit than if we were a non-profit in case we ever wanted to do a we funder campaign or all these other things so there's a lot of positives in different ways um in terms of just relationships with who we're working with yeah, absolutely that could be six of one half dozen of another so it's one of the one of the many factors, but not really the deciding factor, if that makes sense. No, it, yeah, it does. I think that's so. There, obviously, there's different um, trajectories, right? When you start, um, it's and it's it's not better or worse. It's just different. So we we don't talk about yeah. uh, we don't talk about like valuation and and some of those you know sort of business terms quite the same way 
Uh, I don't, I don't think that than you guys do. And, and again, not a, it's just different. And I, that's why I love doing these podcasts because I get to hear the way other people look at things. But um, certainly if you're trying to grow a brand to get, you know, ultimately as an owner, then there, it's a business like anything else. And there's always the opportunity to either sell the business, um, grow the business, bring in additional partners, grow from NPSL to a professional level on the field, all those kinds of things. Um, so I, I think it's fascinating um, just that, uh, you know, the, the, the American way here, we can build clubs thousands of different ways and certain groups of people can find success in different communities with completely opposite approaches, really. And I think that's that's uh, a really interesting challenge as people are thinking about starting a club. Right. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And, and re- I'm not saying that ours is the best model, but it's from what we believe it's the best model for us. And, uh, and it's working for us in that, in that sense. So, um, yeah, it, it really depends. I would have loved to have seen it originally as the Napa United men's team, which was kind of the concept. Um, but we have seen uh, one other club in the Golden Gate Conference here kind of come in, do exactly that. I, I told them, I was like, just be really hesitant because you've got a lot of really strong clubs around you. They came in and within one season, they were gone. Uh, they had a good season on the field, but mm-hmm. they couldn't get anybody in the stands. Um, and it was because they affiliated with that youth club and they stayed as a nonprofit or, you know, like there was just a lot of factors that um, that I just think really backfired on them. Doesn't mean it wouldn't work in DeKalb or wherever else, right? I'm always interested. Um, what kind of staff do you have? Uh, you, you mentioned a few different owners, maybe. What's what's your operation organizational chart look like? Um, it's, I mean, it's fairly small, but not, I mean, it's not small for compared to a lot of NPSL teams. Myself and my partner, Josh, um, are the two primary owners. Uh, and then we have uh, Michael Hitchcock and um, and a group uh, as well that are, that are a smaller percentage. Um, and then... Uh, and then we have uh, a general manager, um, we have marketing director and community relations, um, and then a kind of a media uh, person and game day operations. So, but we're very, Josh and I are very hands-on, um, you know, we're, we're hauling the bus full of gear and merch and we're helping, you know, clean the stadium after and I'm the PA announcer on the day of and, you know, we're trying to, we're slowly starting to dole stuff out because this last year we hit profitability uh, for the first time and and that's that was good for us um to now that we can start looking into other factors to how to continue to grow the game in our area and i, I mean our 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 mission is to provide family fun entertainment that's soccer centric so we're getting about 450 to 500 fans a game um so we're having a really good uh, game day experience we have uh bubble soccer that we're we're you know the irony of doing that with covid um, but we're going to be doing our bubble soccer uh, stuff at halftime again. We have kids zone. Uh, we have a beer and wine garden uh, because we do it at a, a Catholic school out here. So we're able to get a, a permit and um, and do the beer and wine garden, which is nice. Um, so it provides a whole experience. It's a very safe environment. And uh, uh, that's kind of been the pathway that we've gone. Um, I, I grabbed that quote from your website and I was going to ask you about it. I love the way it's worded that um, the mission of being family fun evening of entertainment, which is soccer centric. I think um, from our conversations across the country, I'm learning, especially as an outsider, I am learning more and more that um, being a soccer club isn't enough. Putting on a soccer match 
for 90 minutes, two hours isn't enough for most of the communities in this country. Um, if it was, then soccer would be in a healthier position, right? So the fact that you appear to understand that you need to offer something else other than grown men kicking a pig's bladder around, I think that's testament to why you're getting 450, 500 through the gate. So um, kudos to you for doing that. Yeah. What what then does that look like outside of the, the soccer match? What are you doing that's making you a community event? Uh, yeah, well, Nick, as you know, you and I've kind of touched base before, I spent a little bit of time kind of over and traveling around England and I studied abroad in Italy in college. So I got to see Gabriel Battistuta play back in the day, back in the 90s. And so you see that kind of event in Europe and what that is different here in the US. And so I, when I was in England in 2018, um, for like the third or fourth time, I got to go to quite a few smaller club matches and to see the little clubhouse where they've got you know, people come in and have a couple pints before the game and then they watch the game and, you know, there's 70, 80 fans in the stands, but there's, there's a sense of community there. Um, and so uh, I tried to see some different levels, uh, Alton and some places that I got a chance to go to, which was really fun. Um, and it kind of really made me understand the concept of what we're trying to do here. There's been a lot of teams that do exactly what you just said. They basically say, hey, we've got an MPSL team. There you go. All eight fans show up. Um, and that's the end. They could care less. It's about it's about playing on the field, and that's where I've kind of been convinced for a long time. The old PDL model is this is a college summer league. Everybody comes out. Let's go play a few games. Great, we're done. And then I looked at it and I go, well, what's Chattanooga and Detroit doing? And all this kind of happened to us in 2019 when we ended up in the Members Cup, and how that all kind of functioned. Um, was when I, I went to the Detroit City game, and I think there was, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 fans there. Place was mental. And I'm like, this is so cool. And, uh, and that was where we really kind of started to really push what we were doing. We had been doing it all along, um, but not, uh, you know, but just didn't, I don't think we saw the full picture. Um, and so our intent is, is to be in the community. We, um, we have, uh, we, we sponsor the local club, Napa United. We have uh, the kids walking out, the players. Um, we work with the local health, um, uh, health clinic uh, to have uh, special events. Um, there's a local uh, nonprofit that helps to get over a thousand people deal with all of their uh, immigration status, and, and they did a big celebratory uh, game with us. Um, we do international friendlies, so we played the Chivas, the Legends of Guadalajara, back in August, and we had about 4,500 fans, 4,200 fans approximately. Um, in uh, we had to go to a different stadium because it was so packed, uh, and that uh, was a a pretty amazing event and so it's really growing our name in the community and in the bay area because of doing that that's our fourth international friendly um you know um and so we're trying to do everything to kind of just build the brand and then promote and market uh as something to do um and here where we're at you know the Napa Valley is very well known for food and wine and hospitality, but there's not a lot of nightlife. Uh, there's getting more all the time, but the, this is how it kind of started with us is, gosh, you, you go to a restaurant, go to a bar, or go to a friend's house, but what else is there to do? So, you know, a, a sporting event that we don't have to travel two hours to and then watch the game and then travel two hours home and you're exhausted the next day. It's nice to just go 10 minutes, go have a beer, watch the game, kids are running around and then, okay, I'm home in 10 minutes as well. Um, so that was kind of how that all that all started. But we do a lot of uh, food bank stuff. We we get our players out in the community whenever possible as well. So, 
Yeah, I think getting, getting buy-in from players is a huge thing as well, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it doesn't matter the, the, from someone from the stands turning up and sitting, going to a primary a junior school and just saying, hey, let's go to this soccer club. The kids aren't going to engage. But all of a sudden, they've got you know the, the striker, the midfielder, who may possibly be an electrician or a plumber or whatever else. But to that kid, he's a hero. And all of a sudden, it's a whole different experience for them. I, yeah, kid, we had, yeah. it has to be a focus on getting players engaged, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, when, after the game, I literally walked down and I, I'm handing out myself or one of us or handing out a handful of Sharpies to all the players. And, I mean, after every game, the kids are on the field. They We've got, uh, you know, uh, these training jerseys that are just a bright green kind of simple shirt that uh, follows our, our club pattern and such and designs. But they're out on the field getting their shirts signed and, you know, and, and so the, the, the youth, the little seven, eight, nine year olds, they, they look at this like these are, this is professional yeah. soccer. This is so yeah, cool. No and our intent yeah. was, no, and, and our intent was to say, like, I want these kids that want to play and they love the game to go, I want to be there someday, not realizing that we're not professional soccer. And then no. hopefully they're good enough that then they can go, oh, wait a second. I think I can even go past this level. So, um, you know, we currently have, um, a player that played with us in our first season when he was 15. He's now with the San Jose Earthquakes um, in their Great. U23s. Um, we have a couple of other players that are kind of in and out or trying to get into the USL championship kind of levels. Um, and it's just over the years, you know, all I, a lot of teams could have that depends on where they're from, but this is kind of our intent is to have more of, it gives them, uh, it gives them hope. It gives them direction. And uh, that's that's kind of where we we try to take it. So we do that through our, you know, through our on the field. We do that through our in the community uh, with our cause kits. We do multiple cause kits each year to give back to charity. Um, so anything to kind of build the brand and, and such too. So um, one of the things that I always focus on, the the I think my theory is that the biggest challenge it faces lower league soccer clubs is the finances. So I always kind of intrude a little bit with our guests in terms of the money side of things because uh if they don't have enough money clubs won't be around very long so you had mentioned um you know turning a profit a little bit last year finally i assume there were some down years at the beginning uh i guess what is the what's the thing that flipped you over the line is there one thing that you can point to or is it a combination of a few different things that kind of got you into the into the black yeah, I'd say it's a combination of a few things. Um, we've kind of dipped our toe in some different scenarios. Partly we were originally, year one, we, we got Adidas kits and they cost us a fortune um, and they weren't really able to customize. Um, year two, we started going down the road of kind of fully customized kits and we wanted something that we weren't having to sell a fan jersey for 60 bucks to a fan and we were making like $4 off of it. So we thought, okay, we got to figure something out here. And we started to look to other pathways, ways to sublimate or do fully customized designs um, and our kit our, our logo designer where we've gotten a lot of press on uh, you know when we took you guys out in the uh, in the Copa de logo or whatever um, no idea what yeah, you're talking our, about our, no idea <laughs> uh, Chris Payne uh, designed our original logo and it's got you know the soccer ball with the Chardonnay leaves on it the, the wine bottle uh, the hills of you know the rolling hills in Napa Valley and, and such and so we went back to him and we're like, all right, Chris, if we could design a kit, what do you think? And he starts helping us in the design pattern. And uh, Chris is now working with some very big clubs doing some design stuff. I believe he's working with Chelsea and Man Manchester and some different clubs in the in the UK now as well. 
uh, which is pretty awesome because he's extremely talented. And, um, and so we, we kind of went down that route. So we, we ended up getting into uniforms and we do uniform and kit um, uh, kits for uh, other clubs. Um, we do it primarily for Napa United because it was a way to save the club a lot of money, fully customize their kits and then give them um, more of a product than we were getting because it was getting very expensive. Um, so that is a, a small part of the revenue, uh, but, uh, the international friendlies, if if successful, can be revenue generating. Um, the beer and wine garden at our games has allowed us for be, to be slightly revenue generating. And then, yeah, sponsorship. I mean, we're pulling in uh, upwards of 80 a year in sponsorship. Um, and a lot of that is because we've – I kind of went – so I'm outside of soccer because I don't make any money in soccer. I just spend money in soccer. Um, uh, I have – grocery stores and a restaurant and a nonprofit and some different stuff that I do. And I kind of went, I said, let's stop calling this sponsorship and let's start calling this promotion because it's hard for a locally owned gas station to tell people how much they're giving back to the community. Yet these people come up and they go, well, will you give us some free gift cards or some gas cards for our program? And yeah, but then you go somewhere else and purchase all your gas. And so we started saying, let us do your promotion, because otherwise you look like, hey, we gave this, and it looks very uh, pretentious. So we started a kind of, basically, we said, let's stop calling it sponsorship and just call it promotion. So we do a year-round promotional program for our sponsors, ironically, and, and basically help them in the social media channels to promote their businesses. And uh, so we do different stuff. We tell people about what they're doing. We, like, we, we help create story for them. And, um, you know, a lot of these small businesses don't have people that can do that for them. So we do it as a part of us telling their story for them. And um, so it's just a kind of a different way to not look like an advertisement, if that makes sense. Um, and so that's been probably our best generator of revenue. Um, I would assume the average NPSL team, John, is, is you know, 60 to 100 a year, depending on where you're at and how much travel you have involved. Um, because the travels that, you know, the, the thing that, that makes it why we need to regionalize more in the U.S. But, um, but we're, we're upwards of 250 a year. And a lot of that is because of um, the, just the uniform type kit designs and such. But the international friendly alone was nearly $100,000 to bring them here with hotels, food, stadium, everything. It was, it was crazy. Um, but, but an amazing, amazing event. So yes, it's, it's one of those, it takes money to make money. Are you the guy that handles your sponsorship for the club or do you have, you know, a couple of people doing it or what? Um, I, I'm, I've been handling most of the, the big sponsors, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of kind of landing those and making sure that there's fulfillment on what is promised to make sure they're happy with it. And, and, you know, some of these businesses are looking at it saying, you know, for, I mean, if you think about it, a, a $6,000 sponsor is, it's $500 a month for us to do your promotions for you. Our local Napa register here, not to get after it, but I mean, shoot, it's, it feels like it's 12 pages long anymore. It used to be quite a bit and the print media has just changed so drastically, but to put an ad in, in a paper like that in a lot of these places are upwards of a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks for one day. And we're saying, well, wait a second, when you could have, when you can put it into social media channels that can be redone just by boosting posts and doing things of the sort, 
and getting creative. Um, and so, yeah, uh, a lot of it is I do the I do the larger sponsors. We our general manager is doing some as well of the larger sponsors and and some others. We kind of we kind of team effort it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and we get out and we set our set our targets and who's going to talk to whom and 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 what they would want out of it. Like, how do you how do you as a gas station let them know that you're not just Chevron, you're owned by local people from Napa forever, and they've been a an outstanding support of us. Um, same thing. We have Mira Winery, um, which they've been the front of our jersey for quite a few years, and they've been unbelievable support for us as well. So we we serve Mira at the game, and um, you know it's it's fun to tell people a little bit about how cool their winery is, and it is. Yeah, it's good information, and, and it really provides a thirty thousand foot level overview of the size of the operation that you have. Um, I do like. So we have um, a couple of people that help me with sponsorship stuff. The promotional emphasis that you mentioned is something that I think Nick, you and I might have talked about. Seems like a pandemic conversation we had a few times, uh, trying to figure out how to essentially promote these businesses for them. Uh, and I would like to figure out another time to chat, maybe on how you sort of go out and explain that and sell that to people a little bit. Um, so do you feel like from a from a business uh, operational standpoint, like it sounds to me the tone of your voice, the trajectory is going positively the way you want it to go. You made a little money finally, uh, you know, getting good crowds in. Um, and now I get away from the nerding out part and you get to the dreamy soccer stuff. Where, where are you guys headed in the next three, four, five years? And I don't care about leagues and all that stuff. You guys are going to go where you got to go that way. But um what's your what's sort of the the big vision for the club oh gosh um well first of all when i say made a profit i mean none of us were pocketing much money we just went back in this year obviously so it wasn't a large profit but there was no loss so that's that's a super positive you know when you look at it and how especially when you're talking that big of an annual budget as you know john and uh so it's it's one of those where it's like okay, I'm just glad we didn't put anything into it. That's good. We're on the right trajectory. Things are moving forward. Um, I think I think your question becomes extremely, um, it's so broad because there's a million factors. If we were to say we're staying exactly where we're at, we would say we want to get more fans and stands, provide more for the experience, and get a uh, get more, you know, which is going to be more revenue and, and just a really – a better experience and with it when you if something happened and there was a life-changing event and i was going okay i need i need to be done or shoot if i were to be gone and my wife's like okay now what to do like let's sell your portion of this like or eric's portion of this or whatever um you know when something like that happens you find yourself going okay well we're getting a thousand fans to the game and the and the game day revenues are way up and the merchandise sales are way up in xyz so um, just making our game day experience better is definitely our our big key. Um, we are fortunate that in the Golden Gate Conference, we have some really good um, other ownership groups that we have really good relationships of trying to to uh, to manage good game day experiences for the fans. So that's that's been a positive. Um, in terms of the current leveling where we're at, um, we've been approached many times uh, to kind of take the next step. Um, and I think our reluctance just continues to be based on the fact that there is no 
um, regionalization. I mean, just in the Members Cup alone, we were dropping 20K a, a weekend for one game to travel to Detroit City, Chattanooga, um, you know, Michigan, you know, Michigan Stars and, and, and Milwaukee and such, um, and New York, that, that it was, I mean, it's just so cost prohibitive that how do you, how do you re, how do you fix that loss um, or how do you um, change that into a positive um, amount that you can handle? Um, and that's, that's kind of the difficult part of knowing what to, um, what to do and when. Um, and so I, um, I think, I think the, um, on, on our side, it's, we love the idea of, of level three, um, or even level two down the road. We feel we have the right location. Uh, we feel like we have, I mean, shoot, we could make the argument that, that our team is pulling more fans than some of the USL championship teams are. And I don't know that for a fact, but, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that would tell me that's not true, but, uh, um, but I know it, even at the USL one, uh, or now the new MLS next pro kind of concept, um, we love the idea. I think there's that hesitation of, unless this becomes regionalized, um, the cost of travel is so cost prohibitive that you then have to say, okay, well then how, how do we make up the additional revenue, uh, to cover the cost? And so I, I think we love the concept of what's next. But we're kind of saying not yet because we just don't see it um, possible unless we have unless we need a cash write-off, right? Unless I'm making stupid money and I need to burn and say I need I need a tax write-off to say it's okay we lost a million dollars this year. Yeah, and when you've got when you need a write-off, get a hold of me. I'll find a way to I'll find a way to yeah. send the money for you. I'm I'm I mean there's all kinds of there's all kinds of one club you could support in the Midwest that, that would <laughs> love to uh, love to partner with you. What does what is success then for you personally from the club and for the club itself? Um, you know I think we've had our for the first season and our fourth season um, we came out and had a really strong run towards we made it to the semifinals of the conference and. Uh, had great fan base, uh, great support, positive events. Um, I think all in all, uh, those are all um, wins for us. Um, I think continued progress on the field is important, um, as well as uh, continued brand building. And whether, the, you know, the difficulty is, is there's so much movement in America right now when you've got uh, Nissan Nation and USL like knocking on every door and um, you know it, it makes it where we have no desire to and U, UPSL is the UPSL that that we you know we have no desire right now to make any changes but we're also looking at like what happens if like what happens if something fails or something changes or what happens if the Golden Gate Conference doesn't have as strong a teams or we're down to three teams in the area or whatever so we kind of keep our eyes open, but I, I do that in my, my grocery stores and my restaurant. Like what happens if COVID hits and we can only eat outside? Oh, wait, that happened. And so you kind of, you just have to be on your toes. So for us, I think we look at success is, okay, if we can have a season again, have a successful on-field and then continue to build the game day experience, um, then that would be a very successful season for us again. 
Um, and then that that would be our target for 2022 for sure. Could you imagine if all the clubs that w- that exist in the country didn't have to compete in three, four, five, six different leagues, and you overlay all the maps on top of each other? We almost have enough for actual real development. And I'm not talking about promotion relegation. I'm just saying, like. Right. We have the same problem. We have in the Midwest, we have obviously we're in the Midwest Premier League, which we love. But there's UPSL teams, there's NPSL teams. Um, I mean, it's just like, come on, we could we could essentially double or triple in size by all being in the same organization. And then we can let the soccer on the field speak to where we belong. But until right. Anyway. I digress. I understand no, you're, your yeah. you're 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 100% right and I I agree with the lack I mean my problem with the promotion relegation justification here in the US cuz it sounds great and let's be honest it's it's a, it's a theory that that sounds amazing if you were uh England and in 4 hours you can be from one end to the other by train but you're not. I mean California you can't even get 4 in 4 hours from just in our own state let alone oh by the way I got to play Miami this weekend, right? So so really and let, even in regionalization, you know, that it's just so cost prohibitive to do it um to a certain level, but I I agree with you. I think that the thing is is there's parts of the country that the UPSL is very strong. Um, and there's and and the NPSL is not um, because there's just not enough teams in the area or such. But there's also like in our area, the NPSL teams are absolutely dominant in Northern California area. Um, and we've got, you know, Davis and Academica and, and a few others that are uh, that are really do a great job as well. And um, so it is I think if if we could get everybody on the same page, I think the problem is you have just the cost. I mean, I, I'm not positive, but I've heard USL two is like 40,000 to get in and then 15,000 a year. Well, shoot the NPSL's 15 to get in or ish. And then 5,000 a year, 6,000 a year, whatever UPSL is 2000 and you're in, you know? Um, and so it's, it's part of, you get what you pay for, I believe. Um, at least that's the way it seems in our area for the league that we're in, but it would be amazing to see it. I think the thing is, is it's the ownership. There's there's a lot of people that just think, oh, well, you know, we can throw $2,000 together and now we're a UPSL team. Um, I like that there's, that you got to have a little skin in the game to want to do this, to really try to create something bigger. So I think there's a level of stepping it up from a, a slightly glorified Sunday league to a semi-professional. Um, and, and again, then you just get into so many layers, but I, I agree with you, John, I digress as well, that it's just, I don't know that there's any exact way to handle it, but, but it would be, there's, there's enough of it out there. That's for sure. And, and that's, so that's the funny thing too. Like Nick, Nick and I have had numerous passionate conversations about it, but promotion isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's one thing when you're going uh, from the championship to the premier league and you're getting a $300 million check. It's another thing when you're promoted to a bigger region and now instead of six clubs or seven clubs within two hours, you're playing six or seven clubs within six hours. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I just wish, I just wish it was better. And I, I, everybody seems to think they have a solution and I think everybody thinks it could and should be better. And unfortunately it's not. And, you know, it's just where we are, so I'll quit complaining about it. Yeah. Um, if you so, this is this is kind of a, uh, a you've kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask it directly. If you uh, 
hit the jackpot and were handed a bunch of dough, whatever amount you think, uh, how do you, how, where do you invest? What, what do you do with that money um, to grow the club? I would, I mean, I first I'd invest in a Midwest club starting with a D, probably. I mean, huge there you potential, go. right? Huge, um, huge, huge. Good, good answer. Huge. Good answer. <laughs> um, gosh, it, that's a really difficult question because I think it's um, similar to to many businesses. It's like you either got to be small or you got to be big. But if you get caught in the middle, that's where you're at. And I think you're seeing that now with that kind of um, the sad part that I'm that you know, and I don't know if I should say this, but what's the difficulty in NISA, right? I mean, NISA and USL one, I love what they're doing. And I, and kudos to the teams that have had the, pardon the phrase, the balls to, to take a chance at this. Right. Um, but you look at it now and go, gosh, is that where you would put the money? If we all of a sudden had that, um, I think my gut would be is just really providing a game. I, I think I would to to answer it as easy as possible. I would probably bring on more of a team do a ton of marketing and look to build a um, uh, a game day experience that would try to replicate Chattanooga, Detroit City, uh, pre-game, post-game, you know, like really, really go at it. And because uh, I'd love to see, I'd love to see 1,300 fans in the stands uh, because that's going to mean merch sales. That's going to mean promotions. That's going to mean more, you know, more everything. Um, so I think that my gut would be is, is just really investing in ourselves uh, to to just ramp it up even more. So to, to Nick's point, Nick, I'm going to steal your line. You told me just maybe two days ago. Just because you have the money, why would you want to give it to a league when you could invest it back in your community? And I think that's the same thing, Eric, that you're saying is is it's one thing to go, I'm going to go right up. Uh, uh, whatever, large amount check to name the league, or I could take that X amount of dollars and bring on another marketing person, pay some, do some advertising, get some more billboards, um, maybe pay some staff to do certain events and grow and, and, and supplement all the things you're doing. And I find it interesting, and this is my follow-up question to that, um, you didn't say um, – bring on additional coaching staff, go recruit players. You didn't say anything about, you know, providing uh, an increased level of talent on the field or player development, scouting, all the different things you could do. It's not a criticism either. I'm just curious. Um, in your club's history, um, have you been, you've been, you had a fairly successful year last year, you said, which is good. Have you had a year of the three or four, um, that was just a real dip and I'm putting my hand up because we did last year and we've done some things to try to improve that side, the soccer side, because I, I think we think we learned that boy in a sports organization, winning masks, a lot of problems and yeah. perhaps it'll bring a few more fans when you're winning and people start talking and, some of the things, not the most important thing, but we, I feel like I, we may have um, not put enough focus on it. So I'm curious, have you experienced a little dip? 
where do you think winning and losing at a level like you're at, like we're at, where do you think, you know, on-field product measures up to all the other things? You know, it does because, um, and we, it's funny because over the years we've always had people approach us and they're like, okay, um, I want you to pay me. And I'm looking at them like, why would, A, why would we pay you? And B, what do you, what do you want? What are you asking for? Well, I can have fans and I go, well, we can't pay you to play, but I'll tell you what, if you think you're going to bring in this many fans that you're saying, we'll tell you what, we'll give you like tickets. And then for everyone, we'll give you a cut of the revenue. Like we'll, or we'll give you like coupons in a sense. You want to go out and start handing them out. You get people in the door. We'll give you a cut of the revenue for every, every one of these that comes in. Oh no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, of course you don't. Like you don't want to put in the work when it comes to the cost to us. Um, the, the, the fan base we've had our first season, we were getting about 600 fans a game. The very first season, um, we were at a different stadium. We weren't able to do beer and wine. The game day experiences improved every year. Um, but the on-field really is important. I mean, we had we had fans jumping out of the stands when we were, you know, like we were up 3-1 and we allowed a goal. And then we were we were up by two men. And, you know, I think it was Sonoma Soul almost came back and got us. And it was a super exciting game. But that's what, I mean, it's entertainment, right? I mean, and so if you're getting if you're getting it handed to you every week, it's hard to get people to go like, oh, let's go out again and, and watch them get their butt beat again. So it is important to do that. But a lot of that isn't really from having the paid players that the, or these guys that want that stuff. What we found is it's really it's really getting the chemistry. It's the coach that's committed. It's the it's the players that are committed. And it, and that's so hard. I mean, we've had great – our first two coaches did an, an outstanding job to really try to do it. And we had two different local guys that, that are well-qualified, um, great guys, worked really hard. Um, but all it takes is one or two players. If they're not bought in, then it's, you know, then it's just no commitment. Uh, I mean, I had this conversation with Jimmy Conrad, who's – you know, if, if somebody wants to make a phone call and say, hey, I've got a kid, I think you should give him a look – Jimmy Conrad could probably make the call, right? And uh, Jimmy's a friend of mine, and he's come to some of our games and such. Uh, he even played for us when we played against the Legends of Guadalajara. Um, so it was fun to have him in here. And he said to me, he goes, Eric, he goes, I even get for my men's team, which they're USL2, he said, I get 10 of them to show up on Tuesday and then 18 show up on Thursday because they all want to get rostered for Saturday. And some of them have the nerve of asking me, like, to, to call a college coach or or a professional coach to let me have a, a tryout and I'm looking at him going you can't even show up you're not even committed to show up to my practices twice a week how do we you know so and that's a very common thing that we're seeing here in the U.S. Um, that that there's this you know I want you to treat me like I'm a professional but I don't want to have to act like one um, and so the, the game day experience as well as the winning is super important. And, and really, this is the first season. We won more games this season than we'd won in our first three seasons combined. Um, and so it, it really did make a difference. Um, so we were happy to kind of turn that corner and hopefully we keep going that direction. Oh, that's refreshing to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I love the off season because I get to just be optimistic about the upcoming one. We were kind of in the middle of it last year and really scratching our heads as far as what was going on and what was wrong. And um, so anyway, so I, it's it's interesting, and I hope that we have a, a better you know 
better season on the pitch. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things for me, uh, this doesn't lead to a question, but I'm just going to babble for a quick second. One of the things for me is Nick, Nick um, works our in-game PA. In every match, he saunters in with his backpack and is, he's doing his thing. He goes up in the press box. Everybody loves it. He comes out, and I always get a very, very um, clear one or two word response. Some, you know, a lot of times last year it was "we're shit" or um, "that was embarrassing" or whatever. But but Nick, as a volunteer with our club, leaves a game and drives an hour and ten minutes back to his home, thinking all the why. Why do I do this? Now, if that game goes off and instead of losing 4-1, we get the stoppage time winner and win it 3-2, Nick, as a volunteer, as a staff member, is re-energized for the week. And he's texting me the next day going, hey, we need to do this. I got this idea. We need when we, when we get beat down, I mean, really, it was almost week after week after week of, like, what is going on here? Um, takes a toll on the people running the club, you know, all of us question, like, what are we even doing? Well, we know in our heart that the soccer isn't necessarily the most important thing, but again, it, in sports, it validates, it validates your efforts in a weird way. And I'm all about, I've been listening to Chicago Bears stuff. I like, I, I feel for everything that these, these big pro clubs go through when fans turn on them a little bit and get tired of mediocrity. And I don't think lower league soccer we're out here trying to sell an experience, sell a membership, sell a ticket so that we can continue to operate, pay for fields, pay for coaches, pay for league dues, pay for referees. Um, we need people to walk out the door feeling good and re-energized and tell their friends about it. Nobody's telling their friends they went and watched a 5-1 loss Saturday night at NIU. So, um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm well, John, optimistic I'll, I'll about give you a, it. I'll give you a little... Uh, side is in the town of Yachtville, I originally wrote the, the sports column forever and for like, I don't know, seven, eight years, whatever. And I, and I turned to the, to care, or Sharon, the lady that, that owned it. And I said, look, they don't care what I think about the San Francisco Giants. Like they want to see little Billy's name in the paper for the little league. Right. So what we do with Napa 1839 as well is, or we try to, is we have our cause kits, we, we have a boy in our club, uh, Neymar, um, that has uh, has gotten a brain tumor and has been going through all of the chemo and, and everything else. So we had, um, we, we got bracelets for him and we're doing these things and, and we do things at the games to get people to feel like they want to come to, like we've done things for, for breast cancer, for gun violence, for you name it. And we've and and we we try to give back because that also gives people a reason to come that maybe have never come to a game before or maybe they aren't much of a soccer fan but they're like oh let's go out there and then they go gosh that was really fun I didn't even know that this was going on and we're like yeah you should come back again and next thing you know you have them coming twice a season um, so it's a way to get people there and then they also feel good about what they're doing so we that's when we say we do uniforms we did. Um, something for a woman fighting lung cancer and it was a not from smoking it was a like a, a a genetic one that she had and so we made Tracy's tribe jerseys and the the players played with them and then we auctioned off the jerseys at the end and we had probably 70 fans that showed up that were friends of Tracy's and the family that wanted to go to support the game wanted to buy a jersey 
Um, and then quite a few of them go, this was so much fun. We're going to come back just because we want to do this again. Um, so I think, you know, those other, those other opportunities to get people out and especially post COVID getting people together again, um, is not a bad thing. Like people need to get out from, you know, from their isolated state as much as possible, whenever, you know, in a safe environment, um, and how to do that is, is important. So. That's a, that's a great that's a great point, Eric. I think I think for uh, for our club, uh, it, it all, you know I think we we brainstorm, come up with all these ideas, and and I don't want to call them gimmicks, but there's lots of ways to get people to come out for the first time. Um, all the and, and to do it for a cause like you guys are doing is fantastic. We tried a similar thing last year that, uh, as Nick knows all too well, I dream of things and then I tell the staff like, hey, I had this idea, let's see what we could do. Uh, we tried to do a nonprofit of the match, which is easy, right? If you just walk somebody out, let them talk at halftime, that's no big deal. I try to take it to the next level and say, listen, uh, you are our nonprofit of the match for the match in two weeks. Oh, we're going to give 20% of our online ticket sales back to you. So you help us sell tickets, promote it through your channels. We'll cut you guys a check for 20%, which we did. We did that, I think, six or seven games last year. Um, Unfortunately, just for whatever reason, maybe it was the way that I approached it or we approached it. It just didn't come off where we saw like a boost in sales. We did. We did something similar and, and we actually even offered to because we do $10 tickets to get in the game. Frequently, it's kids are in free. We've approached schools and said, hey, we'll give you $5 of every ticket that comes in that day um, that you sell. So then they do like almost like a school promotion. You're selling candy bars. Tell it, and then what we'll do is we'll have like the faculty play three on three at halftime, or we'll recognize uh, some of the teachers, and then you guys all wear your your middle school shirt, you know, shirts or whatever, uh, kind of a thing to have it. We've had very little buy-in from it when it's people that don't understand kind of the concept, um, and and so it's hard to get it. You almost need somebody to to spearhead it and drive it. Um, for us, it's more of the something that's super specific. So. Um, breast cancer is, you know, is, is a cause, but breast cancer for uh, Christy or Gina or whoever, um, all of a sudden is now it's a cause that gets some locals that want to support a family that they're friends with. And that becomes very specific. And the specifics are the things that kind of helped us turn that corner a little bit. So we, we liked that portion, but yeah, it, it took it took getting very much more specific on it. Like we did, we did the the enough cause jersey um, for hours, and I mean, shoot, the stadium was packed. It was for different reasons. Um, my daughter was one of the victims of the borderline shooting in Southern California in 2018, and so we do an anti-gun violence campaign, and and it's not a gun control. It's just you know, an, an act, a step against gun violence. And so the jerseys we did, we sold them. We had a special event. We had Jimmy Conrad came to the game. Um, I think we had a, almost a thousand people there that night, but we did a very, it was very specific to our community because we were affected by it. There was a shooting at the Veterans Home of California here in our town as well in March of 2018. So it, it affected people both through my daughter's um, uh, incident as well as the Veterans Home that it was it was very specific that people wanted to come out and support and um, and we didn't do that because we wanted to drive more people through the door it's just we wanted to do it because we knew it was the right thing to do and in the end it's it's community building right 
Um, and that's kind of how we've taken this many times over. We're going to have to keep in touch. Uh, I think, I, th- again, this why we do this podcast is, is a couple of reasons, right? We want to help clubs. We want to help people start clubs, and we want to help clubs be successful so they don't disappear. And sharing what works, mm-hmm. what doesn't work. Um, and I think as owners, as club managers, as whatever you and I are and, and others, um, being open with with these things is only going to make soccer stronger. Um, so I, I, I appreciate the time, the, the uh, insight, and I hope we can connect again in the future, even if not on the podcast, um, because I think um, I think there's plenty to learn and, and things just sometimes it's nice to just bounce ideas off of each other, which Nick, you know me all too well. We do a lot of that. So I thank you for your time. Um, yeah, Eric, I would just like to, because John's not going to say it. Um, John drives our club in pretty much the same way I feel like you, you're driving yours. And despite the best endeavors of the people behind, working behind the scenes, um, nobody has the enthusiasm or the passion that you and John have. And to hear someone speak with such clarity and um, definition of purpose and to basically to mute John, and I don't mean that as flippantly as I normally do, but, but, but I know that John's sitting there taking inspiration, um, and that is no mean feat. So sincerely, thank you for that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Well, I've got a couple of very flippant questions, Eric. Um, one, who is your actual team? What, who do you support? Who's the, who is your childhood team, I guess? Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea. Oh, dude. So to the point when Americans come up with EPL games. You're welcome. I know. I know. just yeah. have some imagination, but... Um, but anyway, yeah, okay. I have, I have, I will, I will say that in '96, when I finished at Pepperdine, my wife, uh, at the time fiance, bought me a kit of my old coach when I was a boy. And so she called him, he was from England, he was actually from the Fulham, Chelsea area. And so he sent me a jersey back, an old Fly Emirates reversible that I still have from like '97. Um, and so that was, I was actually leaning towards Fulham because there was all the Americans, Bocanegra and McBride and Hahnemann, and um. And he sent it, and I was like, "All right, well, if this is my coach's team, I'll root for Chelsea." And uh, so, yeah, we—I was just at the—I was at the Chelsea Liverpool game on January second. Uh, place went mental when Pulisic scored. Uh, it was—it uh, was so much, so much fun. But yeah, yeah. So sorry, but no, no it's all right. No, I, I, it's just a cross <laughs> I have that I have to bear. That you know, you people okay. in the main have no imagination. There's four clubs that you're allowed to support, and that's it. Um, all right, no, that'll do. Thank you, Eric, for your time. As I say, we'll probably be in contact. Um, but for now, thank you very much, um, and we'll speak again. Now the time has come for leaving. Fear, now we shall return. We were so glad we could make it, but so sad we gotta run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.